Hello everyone, this is Mrs. G's Storytime and we're reading The Tanglewood Secret by Patricia Sanjan by permission of Moody Publishing Company. And last we left off, Ruth had run out the door because her aunt had told her that she was going to have to send her away to boarding school. She was very angry. Let's find out what happened next. Chapter 8, Running Away. I did not stop for a minute when I got out onto the road. I just went on running. It did not matter to me where I went so long as I got away, and in my angry heart I decided that I would never, never go back again. I would get some kind lady to adopt me or ask someone to let me be their little servant, and then perhaps Aunt Margot would be sorry. I knew Uncle Peter would miss me when he came home every night, and of course Philip would be dreadfully sad, and at the thought of Philip I started to cry. I went on running and running with tears streaming down my cheeks. You're going away to boarding school, I kept whispering the horrid words to myself and trying to take it all in. I saw myself going away in disgrace, alone in a, tr in a train, and to a building I had managed would be rather like a prison. I imagined Terry and Philip sitting in the wigwam together, with the birds singing and the fox gloves sprouting up around the, above the bracken, and I should not be there. Then the other picture seemed to dance before my eyes. Philip kneeling alone at the bedroom window with the sun rising over the hills, and my little bed empty. Philip lying on his tummy in the hayfields, writing his book, and I shall not be there to draw the pictures. It was quiet all around me as I trotted along, and I had met no one, except for the cries of the birds going to bed and my own sobbing. The world had seemed quite silent, but now I suddenly realized I could hear children's voices and dogs barking. I had reached the entrance to the village where I had been once or twice before. It was a very little village, only a few cottages, a school, and a village shop, and a church. I stood for a little while wondering what to do. I was hot and tired, and my head was beginning to ache. I wanted to sit somewhere cool and quiet where I could rest and think where to go next. I looked all around me and then realized I was standing by a little brown wooden gate that led into a churchyard, and the church door was open. No one was likely to go into the church as late as this, and even if they did, I could crouch down in the pew and they would not see me. I went up the path between the rows of quiet gravestones, reading the names as I went past. One stone interested me especially, and I stopped to read it again. It was a little white cross, marking a garden of forget-me-nots, and on it was written, Jane Collins age nine years, went to be with the Lord, April the 5th, 1900. I read it through several times and then shivered at the thought of a poor little Jane Collins who had died so young, and in April too. So she had left behind the spring sunshine and the lambs and the flowers. Death had always seemed a long way ahead, something to be thought about by old people and clergymen, but Jane Collins was only nine years old when she went to be with the Lord. What if I, age nine, had suddenly to go and be with the Lord? What would, they, what would he say to me about my tempers and the lies I told and the times I'd run away instead of helping and the dust underneath the carpet? 
It would be far, far worse than going to boarding school. For the first time in my life, I began to feel really frightened about being so naughty. I walked on into the church foyer and peeked inside. It was quite empty, and so I slipped through the door and began wandering around looking at all of the things on the walls. One thing pleased me most of all, and that that was the evening light streaming through the stained glass windows and falling in colored patterns on the stone floor. As I stood watching, it was suddenly came over me how dreadfully tired I was. The church was so quiet and cool and friendly, and with its sunset light and the daffodils, that I thought I could lie down and rest a little before deciding what to do next. I collected some footstools, made a little mattress, and wrapped myself up in an old black gown that hung near the door, and cuddled down inside the, one of the pews where I could watch the beautiful patterns and think things out. I had not realized how sleepy I was. I had been out in the open air all day, and I had been very frightened and very angry and very miserable. I had run nearly three miles on a warm spring evening, and all these things were enough to make any little girl dog-tired. In fact, I was so tired that I could hardly remember laying my head down on the footstool before all my cares melted away from me, and I knew I couldn't keep awake any longer. Just as I was dropping off, I thought I saw Jane Collins standing in the sunlight, sunset light of the west window, pointing upward along the golden rays. She was a little girl just like me with dark plaits and a pinafore and blue socks, and the moment I saw her face, I knew I'd made a mistake in pitying her. For never before, either in dreams or real life, had I seen a child look so radiantly happy. Her arms were full of Easter flowers, and somehow I knew perfectly well that they would never fade or die. Then the light grew dim and blurred, and I fell into a deep, deep sleep. When I woke up, I was lying in the dark, and for a long time I could not imagine where I was. I was very stiff and cold and sore, for the footstools had come apart, and I was laying partly on the stone, stone floor, and I sat up and changed my position. When I lifted my face, I found that a wonderful thing had happened. The day was beginning to dawn, and a gray light was coming through the eastern window on the other side of the church. The darkness had scattered, and with all, all my terrors and nightmares, I gave a little sigh of relief and sat quite still, facing the morning light. As I sat there waiting and listening, the dreadful silence was broken by a clear call of one bird. And I realized with a thrill of joy that the world was waking up again after the terrible night. Then another bird woke and answered, and then another until it seemed as if every bird in Hereford, Hefferford must have been singing. As I sat listening, the gray light gave place to gold, and the sun was rising and the morning had come again. The relief was so great that I did not want to move, and I forgot that I was cold and hungry and only remembered that the night was over and that I was no longer alone because the birds had woken up. Soon I, I would slip out the church and run home to Philip, but for the moment I would be content to sit and listen. But I did not just sit and listen for a long, for somehow my head fell over onto the footst footstools and I dropped fast asleep again. When I woke the next time, it was very suddenly, for the church was flooded with light, 
and there was very there were heavy footsteps coming up the aisle. I sat up quick and waited as the footsteps came nearer, and I, my curiosity got better of me, and I crawled to the edge of the pew and peeked over. It was a clergyman. He was walking slowly up the church aisle, looking up at the eastern windows. He need not have seen me at all, for his head was turned away, and I was quite small enough to creep under the seat. But I was just about to do this, but I did not want to be, for I did not want to be seen. Children were not allowed to sleep in the churches. I was sure of it. And there was a police station just down the road. But I had been lying all night in the church, cold church, with my legs on a stone floor, and I had caught a cold. So I was only halfway out of sight when suddenly a dreadful thing happened. <laughs> Achoo! I sneezed. I tried to stop, but it was no use. Out came this loud explosion, and the clergyman jumped. And then he came and looked over the side of the pew, and he said nothing, but came inside and sat down. Then he leaned over and spoke very gently. Come out, he said. There's no need to hide under the seat. I don't mind children in my church. I uncurled slowly and sat down on the seat beside him and looked up into his face. He was not very young and not very old. And his eyes were blue and kind. He reminded me of the old shepherd somehow, the sort of man I was not afraid of talking to. I couldn't help being here, I explained. I came in last night when the door was open and I went to sleep by mistake. I put on your gown because I was cold, but I didn't mean to stay all night. When I woke up the first thing, it was too dark to move, and then I woke up again, it was morning. He looked rather startled. You mean you, you've been here all night, he asked. Whatever is your mother thinking? We must let her know where you are. I sat silent for a moment, twisting my hands together. I had a sudden feeling that I wanted to tell someone all about it, and I thought this man would do. It's not my mother, I whispered. It's my aunt. I wouldn't have done it with my mother. I've been very, very naughty, and she's going to send me away to boarding school because she can't manage me, and I don't want to go, so I ran away, and here I am. I looked up to see if he was very shocked, but he didn't seem to be. He just looked very interested and rather sorry for me. I'm glad you told me that, he said. I should like you to tell me a great deal more about it. But first of all, we must tell your aunt where you are. Perhaps... When she knows you're safe, and she will let you stay a little bit while, and we can talk. Do you have a phone? We did, and I knew the, knew the number. Good, said my friend. We'll go straight back to the, the, my home and ring up your aunt and tell her all about it. I put my little hand into his big one, and we walked out of the church together. The world was so full of bird songs and light and color, but I knew it must be very early morning because the flower petals were still closed. Where did you, why did you come to church so early, I asked suddenly. I came to say my prayers, answered the, the clergyman. I often come here early in the morning because everything looks so beautiful. Don't you think these buttercups are enough to make anyone feel good and happy? I looked at the buttercups, but I did not feel happy. I was quite certain that I should never be good.
Tomorrow will is chapter 9. It says, make a new friend. And we'll find out what she has a conversation with the clergyman. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Love ya.